listening to Breast Cancer Connection, where we connect you with breast cancer experts on what you need to know to navigate your experience. Hello, I'm Kathy Amendalea, and today we're talking about personalized healthcare. What is it, how it works, and why it's important? The idea of personalized healthcare is relatively new, but with it comes an array of technical language. Helping us unpack personalized healthcare is our guest expert, Dr. Nancy Nixon. Dr. Nixon is a medical oncologist at Tom Baker Cancer Center and assistant professor at the University of Calgary. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Nixon. Thank you for having me. So we'll start with the understanding of personalized healthcare and precision oncology. So personalized healthcare is more frequently discussed as the future of treating breast cancer. Could you give us a high-level explanation of what personalized healthcare means as it relates to breast cancer patients? Uh, That's a great question, Kathy. So I think, you know, it's a bit of a buzzword terminology that we hear a lot uh, in cancer care. Um, But cancer is sort of one of the first medical specialties to apply precision medicine. There's different types of genetic and non-genetic tests that we can do um, to try to help personalize therapy. Uh, Some of the genetic tests we look at are specific to inherited risk, which means they look at your genetic makeup and say, were you born with some type of underlying mutation that predisposed you to developing cancer or will predispose you to developing cancer? Other tests look at genetic tests or look at genetic changes within the cancer itself um, and help determine which treatments you're most likely to benefit from. So if we talk about precision oncology, is personalized health care and precision oncology the same thing? Can you give us a little bit of a, what, what may be the difference? That's a great question. So I think, you know, they can be used somewhat interchangeably. Um, Precision medicine really focuses on looking at uh, mutations within the cancer and using those mutations as a way to guide our therapies. And so in a way, it's a personalized treatment, but almost, you know, a tumor-specific treatment. So we're personalizing treatment towards the cancer that you have. When we take a step back and look at some of the inherited mutations that I talked about, we know that with breast cancer, about 10% of all breast cancers come with a uh, underlying genetic mutation. So it is the minority of patients, but but some of those patients will be eligible for different types of therapies based on the understanding that that, that underlying gene mutation predisposes them to developing a certain type of cancer that's more responsive to certain therapies. Okay. So when we're talking about precision oncology, how does precision oncology work for a patient? So there's sort of two main ways that we're using precision oncology right now when we're looking at the treatment of breast cancer. Um, You know, certainly in advanced breast cancer, if your cancer progressed despite treatment, we can recommend testing, um, looking at the genetic makeup of the cancer cells. So when we look at this test, which is called tumor sequencing, we look for changes or alterations in the cancer to best choose the drug um, to suit the type of tumor. So essentially what we're doing is looking for changes in the tumor cells that are causing it to grow and divide in spite of the current treatment and trying to um, interrupt that mechanism of growth. More recently, you know, we've been looking at family history and BRCA 
uh, gene testing to look for um, patients that may be eligible for specific drugs that uh, are best suited to those patients. Um, so patients that have a BRCA mutation essentially have a defect in the way they repair their DNA. And there's drugs that use that as a way to sort of target those specific tumor cells um, and, and kill them more effectively. And and what kind of tests are being done to identify these tumors and characteristics? That's a great question. So I think this is an evolving field. Um, and because of that, the way that we access these tests is, is evolving as well. Um, so some tests, of course, are standard of care. And like I had mentioned, you know, looking for the expression of estrogen receptor and progesterone receptor, the expression of the HER2, um, those are considered standard of care. Things that we so far don't have as standard of care um, tests are more high-level or more in-depth sequencing. So there are tests available. Um, for example, Foundation One Medicine will sequence uh, the tumor genes and look for a number of mutations, a really, really big number of mutations. Um, but that's something that's not currently publicly funded. And the reason for that is because it is still sort of an information gathering process. So sometimes when we do tests like that, we can identify mutations that the cancer has, but we can't necessarily identify a drug that will treat it. And so I, I have had patients in my practice who have had that type of testing done. Um, but, you know, the the number of times that it actually uh, identifies a mutation that uh, is targetable is pretty small. And so I think we're still sort of in the information gathering phase. And I was just wondering how you decide which patients would benefit from which testing. A great question. So we there are some clinical trials available, and there are some drugs that are further along in clinical testing. And so for patients in my practice who would be eligible for those types of drugs, I would consider looking for options for next-gen sequencing or those more in-depth sequencing. Um, as, as more drugs become available, and again, as they get further and further into clinical trials, um, we do start to find solutions locally. So for example, you know, we have access to testing for a certain mutation right now called PIK3CA because we've just recently gotten access through a special access program for a drug that targets that mutation. Um, but that's new within the past couple of months. And so things are really changing quickly, which is really exciting for our patients, you know, to know if you are on one line of therapy now, it's likely that there'll be more lines of therapy to come. Given that we have lots of changes and lots of, of uh, treatments that could benefit patients, is it easy to standardize these uh, treatments or are we still doing per person, per disease? That's a great question as well. And so that's one of the one of the tricky things about personalized medicine is it that it does select um, a group of patients that are most likely to benefit. But of course, that that doesn't apply to all patients. Um, and so, uh, you know, personalized medicine is inclusive of the people that have that mutation at the exclusion of others. That being said, you know, um, I think we will continue to discover new driver mutations and and we will continue to discover drugs that target those mutations. So I think there there is um, optimism that for all types of breast cancer we'll see more personalized medicine. It's just the challenge of of you know identifying 
the important mutations as well as developing a medication that that treats that mutation. So there's often talk like genetic testing and genomic testing. And I think it confuses uh, some of us. Can you explain to us the difference between those two? So, you know, the genome is the collection of all genes. Um, but I think what when, when you say what's the difference between those two, typically when we talk about genetic testing, we're, we're talking about um, inherited gene mutations. Um, and those are things, you know, that you would have been born with. So, for example, um, patients that have a BRCA mutation are born with a mutation um, in their DNA that predisposes them to developing cancers. When we look at uh, genome sequencing of a tumor, we're looking at uh, mutations specific to the tumor itself um, that that allow it to grow and divide out of control. Um, so it's a difference between an inherited risk that you're born with versus a genomic alteration that's allowing the tumor cells um, to be a problem. So what are the experts looking for during this genomic profiling and the analysis? Yeah, so what we're really looking for are um, driver mutations. And by driver mutations, I mean um, mutations in the tumor cell that are allowing it to grow and divide, um, progress, and become resistant to other medications. But the key uh, when we look at driver mutations is also being able to identify a medication, of course, or a drug that, that targets that mutation. So those two steps are really pivotal or really required in making personalized medicine um, an opportunity. Hmm. So informing patients and their next steps. So what do the results of genomic testing or profiling tell you? Or tell the patient? So it depends. Um, you know, when we look at patients who have uh, like next gen sequencing, we identify many alterations within the tumor that that would indicate that those mutations are important or or are allowing the tumor cells to grow and divide and progress. Um, the the challenge that we're faced with, of course, is that not all of those mutations have a drug that that fits them. Oftentimes, you can get a report saying the tumor has, you know, XYZ mutation. It doesn't necessarily impact their care. Um, if there's not a drug available that targets that mutation, then it's, it's sort of just information about the tumor that may be useful in the future. Um, and because it is quite new, uh, I think we have to sort of um, I think it's really exciting, but at the same time, you know, dampen our enthusiasm knowing that it may not be uh, the the silver bullet that we're looking for right now, but it certainly is important in terms of information gathering, learning more about how breast cancers grow, and learning more about how breast cancers become resistant to the medications that we have available now. Okay, so biomarker. How can the biomarker inform treatment decisions, and what is biomarker? Biomarkers um, can be prognostic and predictive, uh, or prognostic or predictive. The best examples we have in breast cancer, of course, are the estrogen receptor and the HER2 receptors. Let's start by talking about estrogen receptors. So, you know, majority of breast cancers do express the estrogen receptor. 
And that means that the breast cancer is using estrogen as a signal to grow and divide and cause trouble. It's a biomarker, but it's also actually a transcription factor. So the estrogen receptor sits within the breast cancer cell, and when it binds to estrogen, it, it moves into the nucleus and, and acts as a transcription factor, allowing, to de- allowing for DNA to grow and divide sort of out of control. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that a woman with an estrogen-sensitive breast cancer has a high level of estrogen. It, it just means that that tumor cell is using the normal levels of estrogen inappropriately. It's a biomarker that's uh, predictive in the sense that it predicts response to anti-estrogen-based therapies. So we know that your um, expression of the estrogen receptor and how strongly you express it um, indicates how well you'll respond to uh, therapies that block that receptor. Her too is interesting in the sense that, you know, historically, like before we we developed antibody treatments, it was a bad prognostic factor. So to have overexpression of HER2 meant that you typically had a more aggressive breast cancer that was more difficult to treat. Um, but now that we've developed drugs that target that receptor, it's actually become a positive um, prognostic factor in that the outcomes for those women are actually really good. Um, and it it also predicts response to HER2 targeted therapies. And the list of HER2 targeted therapies is growing consistently. And and even over the past couple of years, we've seen a number of new agents for HER2 positive breast cancer that have been really effective in metastatic disease. So understandably, all this information can be a lot for a patient to, uh, you know, decide on how to make his or her decisions. What advice you have for a breast cancer patient talking to their treatment team about personalized health care? What would you say to them? What I would say, I think it's important to be informed, right? But it's impossible to be a medical expert. So I think it's always um, a patient's prerogative to ask these questions of their medical professionals. Um, you know, especially in metastatic breast cancer, I'm always impressed by how uh, how sort of medically savvy patients become over the course of their treatment. Um, you know, essentially, I have breast cancer patients who are now breast cancer experts because they've done the research. They've, you know, they know about these next-gen sequencing tests and clinical trials. Um, but I don't necessarily think the onus on the patient should be to do that. One project that I've just started working on this year is looking to develop a metastatic breast cancer cancer app for just that purpose. So we know, of course, you know, you have appointments with your uh, medical oncologist. And and as long as those appointments can be, there's no way you can ask all of the questions that you have within that, you know, 45 minute or hour appointment. Um, and so the, the idea of this app is essentially to be a, a warehouse of information on um, what is next-gen sequencing, what clinical trials are available to me, and sort of a source of up-to-date information that can help sort of answer some of those questions and also um, help guide you to the questions you should be asking your medical professionals. Because sometimes, you know, that's, that's really the hardest part is what should I be asking and when. Well, I think that's about all we have time for today. Thank you again to Dr. Nixon for the great conversation. For more resources or support, visit cbcn.ca or find us on social media. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and join us next time for another episode of Breast Cancer Connection.